Hello, San Diego. I'm Paulina Salazar. And I'm Brooke Hancock. Welcome to San Diego Biz Babes, where we aspire to inspire. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. No, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I look through your podcast and I'm I'm like so impressed that you guys are just rolling with this and, and you guys have so many, you know, great people on who have got like lots of followers. I'm like, how in the world did they find me? Because I don't have that many followers. And I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know that much stuff on yet. Oh, Aww, thank you. Yeah, we're just trying to obviously educate our listeners. There's just so many things that are out there, I mean, industry-wise. So we just want to make sure that people have options. And I think it's awesome what you're doing with food. Brooke and I are huge foodies and we're super health conscious. So it fits perfectly with, like, our beliefs and everything. So honestly, this is amazing to have you on. And just like... I guess, kind of tell us a little bit more about how you came to be and how did you end up being a doctor and then how did it end up kind of, you know, going towards the food direction also? Yeah, so, um, so let's see. I don't remember what else I wanted to be when I was younger. I Probably from a very young age. My dad is an engineer, um, so I think the science was always, you know, science and math were always such a strength for me. And it challenged me, but it also just really invigorated my my brain, I think. And in second grade, I remember winning, like, the science fair for my district, and it was really cool. It was, like, on mold or something like that. So I could have, I could have been a scientist, but mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I really like people, and I really like helping people. So naturally, I na- navigated towards the medical field. Um, but, you know, from a very young age, I was, like, volunteering. I was being, like, a translator. I, I'm bilingual, and so... Nice. Um, I was I was translating and being in like a patient's exam room from the you know age of like fourteen fifteen I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just always really liked it, and I'm so glad I found my field so early in my career. Just knowing that, that this is what I intended to be at, this was, it really did feel like a calling. Yeah, that's awesome that you followed your heart. What what about the food part about it? The food part. Yeah, so I grew up in a household where, you know, my mom was way before her time. Um, You know, my household had, like, you know, black seeds by the age of five and whole grains. And I would go to school with, like, homemade homemade fig preserves. And my mom was making kombucha by the age of 10. So I always thought this was totally normal. Like, I thought every kid grew up this way. And I realized not everybody grows up this way. So when I went to college, I realized how how hard it was for people like they would they were actually like struggling with food choices where it was you know really easy for me to make those food choices and whip up a recipe or whatever and then um and then when I started getting into the studies and getting into medicine I was at the world's largest medical center that's where I trained for my medical school at UT Houston and I saw you know there's so many diseases you see you see so so many things and and I thought where do I fit in in this medical field? Do I fit in at the end stage of someone's disease process? Do I sit, you know, am I at the beginning or with pediatrics or where am I? And I think for me, I just really wanted everything. I wanted to help everyone. And so family medicine was really just treating everyone from pregnancy to kids to old age to entire generations of families. So I think to me, it was just a way of choosing a field where I felt like that's where I, where, I, where I belong, you know, where mm-hmm. I wanted um, to help as many people as I could. And then I also focus on preventative medicine. 
And so when you look at chronic diseases, you know, seven out of the 10 conditions that cause chronic disease in the Western world are due to lifestyle changes or lifestyle choices. And so, you know, food is everything. Food is what we bring to our family gatherings. Food is what we feed our kids. Food is what we do three or four times a day and all the choices we make. So to me, it was just so natural, given my upbringing, how that just seemed like such an easy thing that I could help people with. And so it was blending my passion, blending my childhood, and then blending the evidence behind all the science that I learned in medical school all together to to really help optimize people's health. Yeah, that's awesome. I get, like, most of the time I'll have stuff going on, whether it's even things like acne or, you know, certain things. And I ask if it's food related and all the doctors that I have seen say no. So how, do you agree with that at some extent? I feel like it's so interesting. You know, we do see, I just read an article on inflammation and some of the pathways that we, that inflammation in the body is caused by is also attributed to some of the things that certain foods that we intake also causing inflammation. So there is some shared commonality there. So there is some science that backs it up. We don't have, you know, concrete long-term studies yet, but it's definitely emer- it's an emerging field. Um, so what I usually tell patients is I guide them and I say, well, you know, how about you can do like an, an elimination and just kind of cut it out for a couple of months and see how you feel mm-hmm. and, and try it because, you know, you know your body best. So if it's something that you may want to replace with something else, sure, we can always do better. We can always improve our health with food, and it's just by different choices that we make. That's so awesome. I feel like I see a lot of people like, oh, there's one formula to like health and wellness through food. Like you just eat these things. But like in my experience, you know, I have a lot of um, like – Uh, acid reflux and like I'm vegan and there's all these different you know aspects to it and I what I feel like I've learned is that everyone's body works differently and there's no one you know formula to you know curing you know chronic illness and things like that through food like what is your totally 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 everybody I mean we're all so different right so um uh, you know, everybody's diet is different, everybody's choices, everybody's upbringings are different, everybody's culture is mm-hmm. different. So what I usually recommend um, is mainly a plant-forward diet approach. So we can all, I mean, if you look at any cookbook in any bookstore, they're all, the basic foundation is vegetables. Mm-hmm. So fruits yeah. and vegetables are just half of your plate. And so we can all agree on any, you know, look at any diet. And if they say that you know, you can't have vegetables or fruits in your diet. Like, there's something wrong with that, right? It's <laughs> grown from ground, um, and it just makes sense. I mean, you know, if you have certain intolerances to certain vegetables, sure, you cut those out, but there's other vegetables you can incorporate into your diet. So, to me, that's the foundation. And then the second thing that I usually talk about with patients is um, is a planetary diet approach. So, we can mm-hmm. always... We always want to do something better for the environment, and so just choosing to do more plant-based proteins or, you know, choosing to do less packaged um, boxes and mm-hmm. refined flowers and trying to cut things like that out just to improve the planet health and also the human health, so. Mm-hmm. What is, so like on the plant-based protein side, you know, I've, I've been vegan for about three years, and I feel like I've always struggled with that because I don't like soy. It makes me feel 
uh, gross. And I just like, I feel like there's a lot because veganism is so trendy right now. There's a lot of different brands putting out, you know, quote unquote, plant-based protein, but it's like super processed. Right, right. And that's that's the, that's the difficult part of it is that, you know, because it becomes such a a trend and companies just kind of swarm and then they create these, you know, these products and then it just becomes, you know, marketable, but really it's just taking it down to the basics, like Mm -hmm. beans and greens, you know, and those are just the nuts and seeds and there's just so many beautiful proteins that are plant-based that are not over-processed that you can easily yeah. just make at home mm-hmm. um, and make batch, you know, batch batches of them. And if you just go to any grocery store, there's a, so many different varieties of beans and so many different varieties of, like, whole grains and uh, lots of different varieties of vegetables. And, I mean, you can use, like, edamame. You could use, um, I don't know if you, I guess you don't like tofu, but you could use tofu. I was just going to write an article on nutritional yeast that even has protein and it has, you know, so I just always say incorporate it, but in, do it in such a way that it's, it's simple. It's simplified. It takes it back to the, the beginnings of time, you know, our, our ancestors didn't have all these products out there. So what, if, you know, just take it back to the simplicity of beans and greens. That's really it. Yeah. Speaking, yeah, of, good. speaking of ancestors, that's kind of where the whole intermittent fasting thing came from, right? Like people were saying that yeah. you needed to keep, because that's kind of how it was back in the day, because we were obviously hunting and stuff. And so people had bigger breaks of eating. What's your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Because I keep hearing mixed things about that too. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I've been doing intermittent fasting probably most of my adult life without even having or knowing what the term of it was. Uh But um, I, you know, ever since college, I think I just would like occasionally, you know, skip breakfast and wait until I was actually hungry. And there is really good science that it helps pre-diabetic people who are insulin resistant, people who have diabetes. So I really started to incorporate it more into my practice and telling patients, like, you know, if you're sensory like fullness and your diet right now is not that great and you want to do like a reboot, this is a really good way to sort of reboot your whole system. Um, when I have, you know, if I have two kids, I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and when I look at them and I offer them food, and sometimes they'll tell me like they're not hungry. And I, I could be offering them something super, you know, bad for them, delicious, whatever, and they just say, I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along childhood and adulthood we've lost that sort of sense of hunger like we just eat because it's there we eat because the environment tells us we eat because it's a social thing we just we don't we're not aware of it and so when I tell patients about intermittent fasting I say you know let's just go back to our childhood days when we just didn't eat when we were hungry or we would eat only when we really were feeling like we needed something to put into our body, you know, so wait until those, those hunger cues, it really helps with the hunger cues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rebooting of, of a, you know, like, let's say you came back from vacation and you just really needed to sort of reboot your diet. It's kind of a good way to reset yourself as well. I see. Mm. That makes sense. That's good. But like part the, um, like the strict intermittent fasting, you know, like some people say like, well, it has to be like 16 hours or it has to be this many hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just say whatever works for you. So if you could extend your breakfast like one extra hour, then that would be great. If you feel lightheaded and it's not working for you and you've already done the, you know, adding more water and adding some 
um, some vegetable broth and it's just not working for you, then okay, you tried it, you know, but it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, but it is, it has been shown to be helpful for certain, for certain patients. I definitely would not recommend it for someone who had an eating disorder history or anything like that. I see. How long do you recommend, like, intermittent fasting? Do you do it in, like, phases or, like, kind of just doing it forever is fine? It's really, it really is very, you know, it just depends. So, um, like, usually I'll just wait until I'm actually really hungry. And sometimes it'll be 16 hours and sometimes it's 14 hours. Um, there are more and more studies that say, you know, more than 24 hours, kind of doing it like a 24-hour to 48-hour fast can be good. Um, especially like if you have, you know, a new diagnosis of cancer or something like that. But I, I would probably just stick to whatever a patient feels comfortable doing. That's There's right. definitely no, mm-hmm. everybody's different. Again, everybody's different. Yeah. But you can do it like every day? Yeah, so you can do it every single day. You can do it okay. um, however many times a week. So sometimes patients will say, well, I just can't do it. You know, it doesn't fit in. And and I understand, like, the relationship with, like, you're eating a dinner at a table with your family. Like, it's kind of weird to not eat when your whole family is doing it. So then I usually tell patients, you know, try it three, three days out of the week. Just try that or, um, you know, eat dinner with them but don't eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so be sort of fluid about it. Um, but, but the more fluid you can be, like, and just wait for that sense of hunger, the better I think you're going to just be realizing overall that – are you hungry or are you not hungry? You're kind of more in tune with your body. I, I was a, it's crazy because I was a personal trainer before my real estate career. And I was, I, the research that I had done at the time, it basically said that not eating breakfast and skipping breakfast was actually going to like slow down your metabolism. So I encouraged clients to like, you know, drink a bunch of water when they first wake up. And then eat breakfast because that was, was going to like kickstart off their energy throughout the day and blah, blah, blah. But then all this, like the hype of intermittent fasting, like b- boosted right after I left. And now I'm just yeah, like, Yeah, but you know, wow. that's, it's funny. Those, those, that was all a marketing scheme and it never really made sense to me. And I think it was, I mean, I think it was a way for like cereal companies and to come out and just say, you know, breakfast is the most important part of the day. I do think that some people can't do without it. Yeah. They would rather eat the breakfast and skip the dinner yeah. and do like a, you know, 7 to 4 p.m. eating window. And that, that's fine, whatever works for, for you. And so I just meet people where they are at their journey. If they can't do it more than two days a week, that's fine. At least they, at least they attempted it two days a week and they're more in tune with their sensor um, hunger cues. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. That was, that was super Can helpful. You... <laughs> Can you share with us a little bit about, you know, what you know about stress eating? I know in, you know, our field and a lot of our listeners that are entrepreneurs, you know, stress is very prevalent in our lives. And um, I know personally, like, like if I'm really stressed, like I deserve a snack, like I deserve some peanut butter cups. (laughs) So can you share with us a little bit what you know about stress eating? Yeah, it's super, again, with um, just the mindless and the, the awareness to food, I think that we have missed it, and our environment just tells us differently, and 34% of Americans are reported to overeat due to stress, and 49% of us engage in stress eating weekly, so it's just a distraction, it's a way to escape, mm-hmm. um, and most people actually resort to the high-calorie, high-fat food during this time, so that way it adds up, 
Mm-hmm. And so 10 pounds here and there can lead to hypertension, diabetes, heart disease. And so what I tell patients is write down five things that you can be doing when you're stressed. And when you're really stressed, sort of take a pause and take a deep breath in and look at those five things, like have them on your phone, of five things that you could do otherwise, and then just pick one once a week. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a pressure valve. Like if you wait till the stress is so high, you are just going to be a, you know, a ball of stress and, and you're just going to do behaviors that are just not going to be good for you. But if you sort of take the pressure off, you know, day by day, do something that you really can um, do to relieve some of the stress and relieve some of that tension, you're going to feel much better and you're going to feel, you're going to feel less likely to resort to, you know, behaviors that are probably unhealthy for your stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that exercise. I wanna, I'm definitely going to try that this week. <laughs> so uh, you being in... I know we can always go outside. When I always tell patients, I'm like, where's San Diego? You know, you can always go outside. And that's yeah. like one thing to just, you know, take in, no phones, just take in nature and just notice the stuff around you when you're stressed out. Like, it's just so gorgeous outside all the time. There, we, we have no excuse, you know? Mm-hmm. It really is. <laughs> so when you're, when you're telling clients, like... Or, or patients, I'm sorry. I'm like, I call my people clients, <laughs> patients. Um, <laughs> when you're kind of educating them on the food part about it, what's been some of the biggest challenges, I guess, doing this? Because obviously I have, I can't really, I absolutely cannot relate as a trainer, but it was kind of, um, I want to say frustrating for me to have my clients not listen. Like they would tech, they would be super honest. Like, yeah, I ate this or I ate that, you know, and it was super unhealthy and I'm trying to help them live a better life and a healthier life. So how do you cope with that? Or, or I guess, what are your biggest struggles when it comes to that? Yeah. So, you know, that's just, it's very common and you kind of have to meet them where they are on their journey. A lot of times it's a cultural thing. Yeah. A lot of times skepticism, you know, they don't really believe or they don't know what to believe. Um, um, they've had a bad experience with a previous doctor or whatever. Um, so with what I plan to do is in cooking with my patients is really diving in. And, you know, we don't have that much time in an office visit. So my new project that we're working on is to incorporate it into a, an office visit. So doing an extended visit, so instead of it being your 20-minute standard visit, it would be a 90-minute to 120-minute. Mm. And we would go into the why, because I feel like we don't have time to explain the why nutrition is important. Yeah. And if people don't understand the why, then they really won't change the... It's really not going to hit. Like, I can tell you, you know, go go get these groceries, go do this, go do that. But if I can't show you how to how to eat the vegetable, how to cook the vegetable, you're much less likely going to do that. And so my my pitch to the CEO last year was, hey, let's do something totally different outside the box. Like, let's cook with patients. I know that sounds like a super crazy idea, but if you can show how to cook the vegetable, maybe they're going to be more likely to be able to go and purchase it without having that fear of like, oh, I don't know what to do with this, and I don't know why it's healthy or why I should incorporate this into my diet. And so... So that's my next step. So that's the very, we're working on this project on doing this and, and researching it to see if it actually makes a difference. I think this could change the way we practice medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, what are some of your future endeavors coming up right now? Well, um, probably, let's see. 
I definitely need to, or we're going to work on that, cooking with patience. Nice. And then I recently posted about uh, talking about the hospital menu. Um, I'm in conversations about taking the hospital menu to a healthier, sustainable food system. And what hospital are you in? Well, and then we're also, I obviously would love to have a part in, like, school lunches Uh at some point. So if any of your listeners have any connections to anything like that, I would love to be able to help make, you know, school lunches for kids so much better and the education around it so much better because I think that kids are just such a, they're so innocent and vulnerable and they're, they're vulnerable to like, you know, our society and what our environment tells us and what marketing and, you know, labels tell us. And I just think that they need to get the education just like they do for math, science, you know, reading. I think that they need to learn nutritional information at school and education at school. So that those are the those are the learning blocks that they take for the rest of their life. Yeah, definitely. What what hospital are you in right now? So I work at Sharply Steely, okay. and um, it's a it's a medical group, and we're tied to the big Sharp Healthcare system. I see. But um, the Sharp Healthcare is the hospital system, and then Sharply Steely Medical Group is the one that I'm employed by. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. And then one of the very last questions here, how do, how are you using social media to grow your business? I love how you're educating on there. I think that's huge. Um, so can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I know you're using Instagram. Do you have other platforms? This is so, this is so funny because, like, you know, I think everyone uses Instagram as, like, sort of a business. And I'm, I'm like, thinking about it. I'm like, well, I'm in the business of maybe, like, empowering families to cook more or to look at nutrition differently or maybe to inspire but um so so I don't really have a true business other than empowering people to maybe cook more at home um I do have some patients following me so it's sort of my way to be able to use social media as an extension outside of the office of what I really would want to say, but I didn't maybe have time for. Mm-hmm. Um, I do post a lot of pictures, a lot of food pictures with fluidity, like not exact recipes, but like you can use it with this and you can kind of be fluid and like try this. But I really, you know, what I would love to do is just have patients just play in the kitchen, you know, kind of not follow a direct recipe, but like explore and learn. Um, I use I use the Instagram and the Facebook and that's it. I can't do I can't do Twitter. I don't think Twitter's the right angle for me anyway. Um, yeah. But those are the two right now that I that I've kind of started with back in December. Nice. Uh, love it. Thank you so much for taking time with us. I know we got we got to cut it a little short because <laughs> we're all busy oh, this- ladies. Oh, yeah, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This was such a great opportunity, and you guys are doing such fantastic work, so I really appreciate it. Aww, thank you. Do you want to just kind of tell our listeners one last thing, just whether it's advice or, you know, whether it's food-related, doctor-related, anybody looking to get into the industry, anything you just kind of want to let them know? I would say, you know, if you could just, take a pause every time you look at your plate and just take a deep breath and look at the colors on it, notice something around it, and just be in awe of the fact that food is really can be healing. And so, you know, slow down, take a look at it, and then just be more aware of what you put into your body and 
and see it as a form of medicine because everything you put in, you know, could be really, really good for your body. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then thank you so much for taking time with us. Yes. Biz babe it out one last time. Just to just kind of let them know where they can find you if they have questions about food or they want to schedule an appointment with you. Where would they find you? Yeah, so I'm always taking new patients. So if you guys um, I work at the Mira Mesa location on Activity Road. Nice. Um, through Sharpery Steely. You can schedule an appointment through one eight hundred eighty two sharp or you can find me if you want more information. Um, I don't take any, you know, direct medical advice questions, but you can always see my post on flavors and then the number four wellness MD. And that's where you're going to get. Thanks for tuning info. in to another episode of BizBase. Thank you. We really hope you can take something from this episode and grow. If you know somebody who can also learn from this, pass on this positivity and share this episode. Our guest information will be in our show notes. And for more info on BizBase, follow our Instagram at San Diego BizBase.